the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey, and with me today is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, it's nice to be referred to as lovely. Of course, you're Thank an incredibly you lovely co-host. We all love you. Oh, that's nice to hear. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about the RPGs that are coming out in September, including the recently released Trails of Cold Steel 2, which came out two days ago as of this recording. And I've been playing, uh, I don't think I'll be writing about it, but I will be talking a bit about, about it on this podcast. Uh, we'll be talking about RPG pitches. We got another one, mm-hmm. and it's for a certain game that I love. It is called Valkyrie Profile, and I totally want to go back and play it now. <laughs> and finally, we will be doing a large segment with our resident World of Warcraft super fans, Mike Williams and Jazz Rignall. Nadia, you and I have been extremely busy. I know that you've been playing a little game called Dragon Quest Seven. Yes, but by calling it a little game, you are a filthy liar. <laughs> filthy, filthy liar. Anybody who's played the original PlayStation game can attest to that one. Oh, my goodness gracious. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm loving it very much. I mean, I can't say too much because of embargo at this point, but uh, it is not a small game. Uh, your life will Breaking be Breaking embargo. She loves it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Nintendo will give you a pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but did you play the original PlayStation version? I did not. It is to date the only Dragon Quest that I did not really play the original mm. of. So, oh, really? You've played them all? Uh, all the mainline ones? Y- yes. Um, obvi- I, I mean, I, it's a little bit of a, a, a lie because uh, as far as like five and six go, I had to play fan translations, but I played like the original ROMs, as it were. Hey, playing the fan translations makes you way more hardcore than me, because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've played a few tra- fan translations, including the fan translation of Super Robot Wars Alpha Gaiden, but uh, you take the cake, Nadia. That's um, playing Dragon Quest V and Six before they were cool. Yeah, I'm very, very serious about my Dragon Quest. She is serious about her Dragon Questing. It's going to be a busy month for RPGs in general in September. I mean, we got Dragon Quest Seven coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Trails of Cold Steel 2, which came out a couple days ago. And later this month, we've got Shimegami Tensei Four Apocalypse, which is kind of flying under the radar. But um, I don't know. Like, SMT4 was good. Um, it was also very long and very involved. Yeah. So we have three really meaty, but ultimately pretty niche RPGs coming out this month. Uh, I suppose it goes without saying that you're the most excited for Dragon Quest Seven out of all three of those. Yeah, and I'm already hip deep in that, so uh, I, I'm kind of got a head start on everyone, but it's still consuming my life. I gotta say that I am also the most excited for Dragon Quest Seven. Uh, man, it, it's a hard choice because... You got these three big RPGs, and they're all really, I don't know, expansive and um, time-consuming. And, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who can play like all three of them, but mm-hmm. for somebody like me who <laughs> has to play a lot of video games, um, if you go onto the site, you may have noticed that I've been mostly playing sports games lately. Yeah, it's that time of year. 
It's that time of year. Uh, I don't have a lot of time, so I kind of have to pick and choose my battles. <laughs> and I think Dragon Quest Seven is ultimately going to be the game that gets the bulk of my attention this holiday season. Uh, no offense to SMT4 Apocalypse. It was just after I, uh, after the original SMT4, which I reviewed for IGN back in the day, uh, I was a little burned out on SMT4. Like that, that was almost a little too hardcore. Yeah, I've heard it was a, a very difficult uh, game, not so not very inclusive, as it were. Really difficult. Um, not always easy to tell where you should go next. Mm-hmm. Um, and grim, like in the classic SMT kind of style. It's in this kind of. Oh, I mean, you start out in this weird. You start out in a kind of like mid- medieval Japan setting, mm-hmm. um, and then you like cross over, and you're suddenly in like post-apocalyptic uh, Japan or Tokyo. That's quite a jump. Yeah, it's quite the leap, and, and it's interesting. And you interact a lot. And sorry, like my men, my memory is a little hazy because this was a couple of years ago at this point, maybe three, as long as three years ago. Uh, you interact with like a map that's kind of a pain, mm-hmm. and it was hard to find certain locations, uh, and you had to really be on top of the battles. Um, actually. I ended up liking SMT uh, Strange Strange Journey for the DS better than SMT4. But I don't know, like, do you SMT have any idea? is always good, so... Do you have any idea if uh, 4 uh, Apocalypse fixes any of the, you know, redundancy issues? Truth be told, I haven't started it yet. So <laughs> uh, I, I will have to see. Our fearless leader is playing it as we speak. Spoiler alert. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Sorry if that breaks embargo or whatever, but... Uh, he will have a nice long review for you when it comes out. As for me, uh, yeah, I've been playing Trails of Cold Steel 2, um, which I... Uh, so I'm just going to make an admission right now, okay? Okay. And I'm sorry if like people are unhappy about this. I'm not a huge fan of the Trails series. <gasps> yeah, uh, this is blasphemy, I know. Only but lie, so it's okay. As a, like... As, you know, these really rich anime rpgs they certainly mm-hmm. have a lot of merit mm-hmm. and they have like they, they lean heavily on the anime tropes and i can see if if people are like big anime fans like yeah. that they would be really into them right yeah. i'm not a giant anime fan actually and, um yeah, for my, my people case... might be like what what what, <laughs> what? I, I, you Kat, really you're an anime fan haven't you been talking like ad nauseum about 90s anime and aren't you like a fan of like stuff like valkyrie profile and um hello super robot wars (laughs) well can i tell you a secret nadia sure tell everyone a secret i don't really see mecha anime as being in the same category as anime oh you're gonna get some real arguments on that one well okay you're an anime fan right you you go to otakon and stuff um in terms of like tropey anime stuff i really have to be in the mood for it but I probably like it more than you do. My point is, is that you spend a lot of time around anime fans. Oh, that's true. And sure, yes. anime fans, like, they, t- they fall into a few different categories. And my experience is that mecha fans are very much their own, like, group. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely crossover. Um, oh, God, I can't remember what it was called. The one that was set in, like, an alternate, fu- uh, an alternate world where England has taken over the world. Oh, is that? Uh, that's not Hitalia, is it? 
no, no, no not Hitalia. Not it, it was a mecha anime. Okay, Hitalia is a mecha anime. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it was. It it managed to hit both um, Code Geass. Oh, okay, I remember that one. I never. That one it. managed to hit both, like both camps, because you had a lot of really strong anime tropes. Mm-hmm. But mecha fans were able to appreciate the way that it subverted the traditional Gundam formula, in that the the what would normally be your anime mecha bad guy was kind of the good guy Mm -hmm. and the kid who fell into the mech was kind of the bad guy oh at least yeah or at least a rival so it was fun in that regard right and it was also was pretty funny uh but by and large you know like the the big mecha series that everybody like stands by gundam uh it's a big one Mm -hmm. these real robot series these war dramas don't really seem to um, have that same sort of crossover appeal to people who might say, like Naruto. Yeah. So. Um. I is there uh, when I think of like kind of cliche anime stuff, I think of like the same kind of jokes and whatnot, like about you know boobies and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming mecha anime doesn't have too much of that going on. Oh no, it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my big. It's mouth. just um. It it can vary wildly, like some some like even within Gundam like you'll have shows that go away on the like overly comedic and you have like anime boob jokes and all that stuff or you'll have like say I don't know Gundam Unicorn which is a lot of like monologues about the nature of war Mm -hmm. and the immigration into space and blah 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 and with beautiful battles etc but is very targeted at a particular type of fan. I admit that I am in that camp. Okay. Now, Tales of Cold Trails of Cold Steel 2 uh kind of tries to split the difference. Like you have this like really in-depth lore, um like lots of different players, like it's trying to kind of hit that war drama aspect to it. And then mm-hmm. of course the main characters, they all come from like varying backgrounds, uh, nobility, uh, different countries, that kind of thing. So they all have a different perspective on the war, right? but uh, it's all a bit surface level to me and pretty talky. Oh yeah. And truth be told, I thought Valkyria Chronicles handled that a lot better mm-hmm. because it, it had the same sort of dynamic, right? Where you had, group of people thrown together from different backgrounds working in like one big squad uh fighting on behalf of Gallia against an evil empire that's coming in but it wasn't as talky yeah um it was just i know what you mean because when you have that surface level sort of those surface level anime clichés going on that alone is fine but it's really what you do with them mm-hmm. uh, because as you mentioned, Valkyria Chronicles, it just something about it made the characters so appealing that you couldn't help but root for them. And at the same time, it didn't stray away from dramatic stuff. But it, when it did do dramatic stuff, it wasn't so over the top that it became silly. Yeah, I think that the fact that its vignettes were like really bite sized, yes, like, that was a definitely huge help. helped. Yes, and it didn't have like the really grindy, boring dungeons of. Yes. Um, a game like Trails of Cold Steel mm-hmm. and and frankly Trails of Cold Steel 2 as well. And Trails of Cold Steel, both it and its sequel have some serious pacing problems, which yeah. I discussed when I talked about it last year. 
uh, Trails of Cold Steel too. It's the same way. Like you wake up at the beginning of the game and you like set out to find, like, get the band back together as it were. <laughs> and this takes like 10 hours and it's oh not that gosh. interesting. And it's not until you get the group kind of back together that things start to get going again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of cool things like it's cool to have an airship that you can populate. In fact, I wish Final Fantasy would take that idea of like the airship serving as almost like a Suikoden-style castle. Yeah, I I think Six kind of touched on that, but it wasn't nearly as uh, complex or fun as Suikoden made it with the castles. Yeah, so I think Trails of Cold Steel 2 has that idea. I think that its battle system is competent Mm -hmm. in the sense of... uh, it's kind of like the positional aspect is kind of interesting and uh, so that you can get you cast certain spells to take out large, large groups of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's also a little overly complex, like you're putting in like lots of different items. There's a lot of stuff to keep track of. There are multiple categories of spells uh. and it doesn't have the kind of... Um, I want to say eloquent, eloquence, not eloquence, elegance <laughs> of a uh, Persona game. So uh, it's a mid-tier RPG, and that's not a bad thing. No, I would say a- that it's certainly above a lot of RPGs out there mm-hmm. um, as a kind of a, a kind of this like really sprawling epic war epic that was produced by a pretty small team. Um, over at Falcom, uh, it, it's actually kind of an impressive accomplishment. And people who are like really into JRPGs and anime and just want like a big crunchy RPG that doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth to it, let's be honest, mm-hmm. uh, are going to be like really into it. I am not on that camp. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to get super excited about it. And I, I've I've done my best. Like, I actually, I enjoyed Trails in the Sky Part 2 mm-hmm. a fair amount. But that, that was more contained, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Trails of Cold Steel 2 is a bit messier. Yeah, it strikes me as a, an RPG that's, uh, it'd be great for, like, cold winter months and you just have nothing else to do, by all means, really dive into that. But uh, mm-hmm. if you're... It also sounds like if you're not like fully invested in, in what is presenting, then uh, you're going to be wasting a lot of your time. Yeah, I, I definitely want XE to keep bringing these games out. Mm-hmm, um, and I and and I think it fills a niche that desperately needs to be filled, which is the kind of mid tier RPG. You know the the kind of games that we used to get back in the back in the PlayStation Two era. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely need more of that, but. It has a fair amount of competition, actually. That's and, the thing. I mean, like I said, you got three big RPGs coming out just this month. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I would recommend Trails of Cold Steel 2 over either of, either of the other games. So Yeah, uh, I guess it all comes down to personal preference. But uh, speaking for myself, I haven't played Trails of Cold Steel 2. Um, but Dragon Quest is life, so... <laughs> That is Dragon my... Quest is love. Dragon Quest is life. It is everything. Now, there is one benefit to playing Trails of Cold Steel if you really want to. Mm-hmm. Unlike the first two games, um, Trails of Cold Steel is available on both console and handheld. Oh, that's handy. So you can like theoretically play it on both. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, if you don't really feel like playing on handheld, I mean, and you have a PlayStation 3, you can play it that way. 
Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and if you're not like necessarily, you don't want to play on the 3DS, you want to play in the more powerful Vita, uh, Trails of Cold Steel is there for you. So that is one aspect that helps it to stand apart. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like this, it hasn't grabbed me. And I got too many other games. Uh, I'd be really interested, like, I've I've heard people, like, say, like, why they loved it. I mean, we had Jason on here a little while ago. Yeah. And he, like, really, like, talked a lot about, like, what about this series in particular, the Trails series, like, really Mm -hmm. grabs him. Um, But I'd be interested to hear what other listeners have to say about it. Uh, Cat.bailey at usgamer.net or PM me over on the site. Uh, let me know. Yes, absolutely. All right, Nadia. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Valkyrie Profile. Let's. All right. So as we all, as you may recall, um, I've been soliciting pitches for underrated RPGs. And in a previous episode, I was like, somebody send me an email about Valkyrie Profile because I want to <laughs> talk about it, please. And it. Kenneth Roberson uh, obliged me. That was very he kind. He said, I would gladly oblige your wishes to talk about Valkyrie Profile for as long as you wanted to because that game... Hell, that series is as important to me as it is to you, but who knows? It is for similar reasons. I had first heard about Valkyrie Profile in the pages of Game Fan Magazine. Oh, me, wow. it's IGN. And the preview mentioned that the battle system would make those that had decent experience in fighting games feel right at home. And that dungeon traversal mimicked 2D platformers, which sold me so hard. <laughs> I kept my out for the g- eye out for the game for a while, but never saw it anywhere. In the winter of 2000, I got my first job ever working at the Roller City USA section of an amusement center called Funplex. I was shopping around for a new game. So, okay. So, he's talking about, like, getting these games. So, he's talking about getting the game and everything. He was mm-hmm. very excited. He says that the the pitch that he got on the issue for Game Fam was completely correct. As running through those dungeons and getting into battles I chose to get into was wonderful. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this was a big deal back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Right? Th- this was, what, year 2000? Yeah. This is in 2000. We yeah. still had, like, lots more random battles. That's a very big thing. But even better was the actual battle system. Being able to control four party members with assigning them to a face button on my DualShock controller was great. And figuring out the right timing to create high-damaging combos was pretty much exactly what I wanted out of an RPG battle system. I didn't realize it until I got to do it. Also, every character having their own hyper-combo finish, for lack of a better term, was just amazing. Even better that the mages got to have multiple finishers depending on what spell they had equipped on them at the time. I could go on, but it's your show and a great one at that. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> you. I appreciate it. I know the first game got a release in the PSP, but I heard the battle music from that one. And it's way less hype arrangement, and that's just criminal. Uh-huh. However, however, I'd pitched that the fir- third Valkyrie, Harris, should actually get her own game. Leneth got two, technically, with a third entry in the DS, and Samari got one on the second entry in PS2. I own them all, but I never beat them. Were there... There'd be some things I'd like to fix with the series, like more var- varied enemy types and arrangements in dungeons, because once you learn the few per dungeon, fighting can get a little old. Also, it'd be cool if all the playable characters got to have more than one finisher. Technically, Leneth had that depending on what weapon she had equipped, but it was still Nibelung Velesti, hype as that is on its own. 
Anyway, all these listeners need to get out and find a copy of Valkyrie Profile and ignore the fact that the latest entry is a mobile game. Also, if <laughs> Nadia still hasn't played them by now, I'd be more than happy to ship them to her so that she can. Oh, wow, since really? Considering that she's got me on Tumblr and is one of the few followers I have that actually reblogs me sometimes. Aw, that's sweet. Sorry, it's got so long of a message, but I gotta represent. Thanks, <laughs> Kenneth. I really appreciate it. Yes, Valkyrie Profile. Maybe my favorite RPG of all time. I have, uh, this was a, if it was a PlayStation RPG, I was really late to the PlayStation era, so I, I missed out on it, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, frankly, I'm, one of the nicest things in life is getting caught up on old stuff that you missed and, and finding out for yourself how good it is. It was back in the, kind of the Enix days. Um, yeah. Well, Enix, like, made their big comeback, right? Uh-huh. And Valkyrie Profile was a big one, because in Japan, it had... I received a lot of attention, it got a lot of awards, it was highly regarded, and so Enix brought it over here. There was just one problem, uh, well, a couple problems. Uh, first of all, it was too deep, and oh, we yeah. talked about this on the podcast. People don't like 2D, they want 3D, and they especially wanted 3D back then. Yeah, apparently. Uh, the localization was hit and miss. Um, the <laughs> actual was story the was fine. Time. The actual writing was fine. The voice acting was cheesy in the extreme. Of course. But they got a bunch of Pokemon actors. Did they really? Yeah, no, they got uh, the lady who played Ash. Oh. Uh, they got the people who played Team Rocket. Oh, that's um, fun. I think Brock is in there. <laughs> I'm like 90% certain that Brock is in there. They got a whole bunch of them. It was pretty funny, actually. Uh, and also it came out in August of 2000, which was kind of a problem because... If I recall correctly, maybe that was the next month the PlayStation 2 came out. Yeah, so um, talk about a deluge and uh, getting ground out. And it was also competing with a little game called Final Fantasy IX. Ah, no one played that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I bought Valkyrie Profile day one, uh-huh. um, and I still own my copy. And the th- it's a little slow to start. Like, it's funny. Like, I was complaining about Trails of Cold Steel 2, and God, I'm not looking forward to the hate mail on this one. <laughs> but uh, I was complaining about Trails of Cold Steel 2 getting off to a slow start. Valkyrie Profile gets off to an enormously slow start. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the first hour minimum is just spent going through, like, uh, so, so you meet, like, this warrior, and you meet this princess, and you see, like, political machinations, and... The next thing you know, like, the princess is turned into a monster and, cool. like, the warrior's forced to kill her. But then Lenneth shows up and Lenneth Valkyrie shows up and, like, takes her spirit and invites the warrior um, Armgrim to come join her. And Armgrim decides to kill himself rather than be captured and taken alive. So, and now, like, you have your happy little party. And, <laughs> like, that immediately grabbed me because I was like, holy crap, he, like like stuck a knife in himself like right there this is like hardcore i am all in and of course like the 2d graphics were great and i loved the voice acting it was so cheesy and wonderful if i had the pokemon characters i'd love it too oh it was just so over the top is Mm -hmm. what made it a lot of fun right yeah like this writing was like come to me dark warriors battle awaits (laughs) us and stuff like that (laughs) that's amazing it was over the top and cheesy and delightful but didn't rely on stuff like, you know, tired boob jokes and that yeah, kind of thing. We were just so, and it, the way it's structured is kind of interesting. So, most of the time you're like in the sky mm-hmm. and 
uh, you'll like search for voices and either you will be sent to a place where somebody's going to die. Mm-hmm. And you have this wonderful little montage where you hear you hear the, the scene being played out. And so like what's just the voices and the yelling and the crying and all that stuff. And so it gives you a sneak preview of what to expect. Right. And then you go down and you actually watch the scene and it's hands off. But these vignettes are usually really well done with maybe a couple exceptions and relatively quick. And then you get a new party member and you can take this party member into a dungeon. And and your goal ostensibly is to build them up and send them up to Odin so that he can fight the war against the um, uh, Jotunheim. And uh, and you're heading toward Ragnarok like you're mm-hmm. you're on a ticking clock. Now, here's where it gets weird. If you do what you're supposed to do in this game, mm-hmm. you fail. Oh, dear. <laughs> because you have this mysterious stat called a seal rating. Uh-huh. What is this seal rating? I don't know. But you don't want it to be high. And if you do what you're told, you'll it will go up. Mm-hmm. And the more people you send, I believe, the more it goes up. So you actually only want to send the minimum to keep odin happy and you want to send them and you want to like properly prep them because you get like good rewards if you do that actually like get uh, the right abilities for them you know the whole nine yards level them up etc and then send them up and then much later you get access to them so yeah that sounds a bit like almost like the decounter from uh, breath of fire 5 mm-hmm. where um have you played breath of fire 5 Mm-mm. uh well basically you know how the whole point of the series has turned to a dragon right um, mm-hmm. If you do that in Breath of Fire Five too much, uh, you you turn into a dragon. Like if you if you do it too much, the dragon spirit takes over your body and you die. Uh, there's actually this horrible, kind of really disturbing cutscene where the screen turns red and you see this silhouette of like this dragon bursting out of your body, and it's yeah. the sound effects are pretty uh, vivid. So <laughs> wow, that's intense. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that in that regard. It's a little different um, in the sense that you're on a on a clock, right? Right. And so you're trying to get your seal rating low enough and hit the right in hit the right uh, story cutscenes right. to be able to trigger the good ending. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> uh, spoiler alert, if you uh, if you do what you're told, they'll go, "Thanks, Leneth. That was awesome. You're good, Valkyrie. Night, night." Oh dear. And that's it. Uh, to get the good ending, you have to kind of end up being your own Valkyrie, <laughs> which, own Valkyrie. Uh, which is cool. Like, you're straining, straying from the critical path. That's yeah. really awesome. Like People are idea. like, this game's too linear. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's because you're playing it wrong. It's the absolute opposite of that. <laughs> um, and then when you're actually, like, going through the dungeons, like, what Kenneth was saying is true. Like, it's kind of a platformer. You can shoot ice into the walls and, like, leap from wall to wall. Like, there's a lot of, like, traversal puzzles and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you can freeze enemies and jump over them um, or surprise them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the actual battle system is really interesting. As he said, like, you map the buttons to your, your D-pad, or not your D-pad, your face buttons. Uh-huh. And when you press a face button, they'll, like, rush out and attack. And your goal is to get a high, like a really high combo. And then when it gets to a really high combo, it'll purify weird soul. <laughs> and then you can do a super attack. And you're like trying to chain these super attacks together. 
And it can get a little repetitive, but not so repetitive that it becomes flat out boring. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to kind of min-max your characters. Like, especially later, you get into like really hard boss fights where they'll just like rain like tons of par- total party kill spells on you. Sweet. And you'll like come back to life <laughs> <laughs> like multiple times and stuff. And you have to know like, you have to know when to trigger, say, your your mage is like super attack and like yeah. whether it's a good idea if you attach a wand that's going to give her a super attack you have to be careful because it could break easily mm-hmm. so you kind of want to save it for say like a boss fight that sounds really fun how how long is like the first game for example a oh, pretty long some good 30 hours okay so it's not like it's not like a bite-sized sort of rpg Oh no! Okay. But it's not Xenogears level, right? Oh, it's God. not like <laughs> nothing is Xenogears level. You're not like on this crazy freaking epic. Here, here is a really interesting thing. It's randomized. Oh, is, is it? So roguelike? you're not necessarily going to get the same dungeons every run. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a a pool of dungeons that it will pull from, and you stand a chance of getting them a different one each. Uh, each chapter mm-hmm. and also the people you get is randomized so sometimes oh. you won't get certain people so it's basically an rpg with a little bit of replay value oh yeah and here's the real kicker if you play it on hard mode you uh-huh. get different dungeons oh really yeah oh you get different dungeons and different characters and it's longer wow yeah so like you get more time to kind of like screw around and that's how you get the good ending. Like, it's actually a lot easier to get the, the good ending on hard mode, mm-hmm. which is why I often play on normal, because it's shorter, and you have to, like, really be on the ball to get the, the good ending on that one. Right. But I I plugged it in not too long ago just for the hell of it to see, like, how I felt about it after all these years, and went through the entirety of the opening sequence and found that it was surprisingly not that painful, Mm-hmm. And there are a few reasons for that. The music was great. The music in this game is so good. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Like, across the board, the music is phenomenal. Um, it is artistic and colorful and has like a lot of genuinely weird and fun scenes like there's a scene in like a japanese restaurant where like the princess who's in disguise is like berating armgrim and you're like going what the hell's going on (laughs) (laughs) um and it has a great finish and then the next thing you know you're in like a dungeon and they send along um god what's her name they send along one of the gods to help you out so just so you can learn the the battle system Mm -hmm. and that dungeon moves at a pretty good clip too and it has great music uh there's just so much i love about this game nadia it 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 hits all the right notes and if you get the good ending it's so satisfying is it a uh, ps1 classic like could i download from my psp nope it is one of the hardest games to get a hold of because Uh. it's really expensive um, there is a PSP version, but it's not optimal. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely want to play the original PlayStation 1 version. And it's not a PS1 classic, which is a real drag. Because yeah. everyone needs to play this game. It never really got its due, which is too bad. Because and this was, uh, this was by Enix, you say, before I, I guess they became Square Enix? Correct. Oh, so it's going to be double hard. Well, yeah, it was actually by Triace, but it was published by Enix. Right. 
And this is where like Trias kind of made their name as like a weird inventive RPG studio that has a thing for these kind of action-based combat systems. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, no, a uh, Valkyrie profile it does so many things right. I'm not saying that it's perfect. Like, like I said, it can get a little repetitive. Some of the vignettes aren't super great. They can be a little slow. But, uh, man, I love that game. Valkyrie Profile Samaria, not as good. And that's for, was that also for the PlayStation uh, 1 or PS2? PS2. Oh, okay. PS2. Um, Really interesting. It's in 3D. Um, As Kenneth said, you play as Lena's sister, Samaria. Mm-hmm. And, but Silmaria is like inhabiting this this girl who's like a princess or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like your typical, like extremely meek female anime protagonist. Oh boy. And so, you know, Leneth would be like, you know, I destroyed you. I'm awesome, right? And mm-hmm. she'd be like, must we fight this battle? <laughs> oh, we don't have any of those. In anime. And I'm like, yes, you must fight this battle. <laughs> Get to it. And the music was more subdued, and so was the voice acting. It wasn't as over the top. And it was a lot more traditional than your tr- uh, the previous Valkyrie profile. Like, it followed a much more linear path than before. It wasn't like you were hunting down Ein Harriar to build your army. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, like, so you were stuck with kind of the same party throughout a good chunk of the game. Though you could get Ein, Hi- Ein Harriar, but it was a little, like, you would just find them in a dungeon. Yeah. Right? It'd be like, oh, look, there's nine hair are. All right, I'm adding you. <laughs> the best thing about Valkyrie, Valkyrie Profile Samaria was its battle system, which actually built a lot on the original. And it was weird. Like, it's actually 3D. So, like, you're running in a 3D arena. Mm-hmm. And you want to try and hit an enemy's body parts in, like, a certain way to get them to break. Mm-hmm. So if you just button mash, you're going to have a hard time. Right. You have to, like, get behind them, like, to their weak point, or, like, you have to use attacks that are going to target their legs or something. And so you can start hitting their weak points and breaking things off. Ouch. And those things that break off, like, in, are, like, crafting materials and stuff, so. Double ouch. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. And it actually ties into the original Valkyrie profile, and explain certain things, and I'm not going to say what. Um, and a familiar character plays a rather vital role in Valkyrie Profile Samaria. So it's a good companion piece. It's just not as good as the original. Mm-hmm. And the third game is weird. It's for the DS. It's a tactical RPG. And you, it's called like Covenant of the Plume. Oh, I think I heard of it, but I never, I never played it, obviously. And basically, you have this, like, death plume, right? Cool. And you have people on your party, and you can give them, like, death powers. Or, like, you can give them superpowers from one mission, Mm -hmm. but they die afterward. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's, uh, that's grim. It's pretty grim. Um, And your goal is to kill Leneth, because you're, like, real mad at her or something. (laughs) It's been, I, that was literally the first game that Jeremy handed me when I moved here. Oh, really? So that's a nostalgia right mm-hmm. there. I was reviewing that, and he also gave me Super Robot Wars something something. This game is crappy. I didn't like it. Endless Frontier. Ugh. You hit the ground running, that's for sure. Oh my god, Endless Frontier was so bad. 
that was very much my like welcome to the games industry kind of thing. Here you go. But I liked, I mean, I liked coming under the plume at the time, but <laughs> in hindsight, it was kind of flawed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the upshot of all this is Nadia, you should go talk to Kenneth and get Valkyrie profile. Throw it in your assignment pile. Maybe I will. Um, I just, I just feel really like nervous about having someone else's uh, game and, you know, especially a valuable one and just. Mm. What if my cat sees it as a frisbee one night? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like a hundred bucks, but I think it's worth it. I think oh, it's worth it. Oh, that's not owning. too bad. Yeah. No, you can get it on various places, and you can just get the discs. You don't have to get the like the jewel yeah, case with yeah. the the manual and everything. I have to dig out my PlayStation, of course. Yeah, but it's kind of the. I don't want to say. It's kind of the crown jewel of my my game collection. Like I will never wow. sell it. Yeah. No. I mean. I'm so happy to own it, and like now I just really want to go back and play it. Maybe you should. Yeah, no, it holds up actually really well, um, a lot better than a lot of PlayStation games. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's kind of a pain to play certain PlayStation games, but um, if you don't have a launch PS3 or a PS2 that has the right cables for an HD TV, right? But here's what you can do. Um. You can go out and get an emulator um, called like EPSXE or something like that. Uh-huh. And you can actually rip the disc and get the ROM. And then you can play it on your PC. Right. And you can add like various filters and everything if you want. Oh, that's neat. Totally uh, legitimate way to play. I and have the disc. it doesn't require that you own like a console. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have my console somewhere. I mean, both my husband and I, we combined our console collection. So we have two of everything practically. We have three Mega Man Legends. I don't know how that happened. But, um, yeah, I have a CRT television for retro games, so uh, that would be a problem. Well, that's the way you got to play it. Absolutely. It's like on a CRT television. Anyway, get a hold of Valkyrie Profile, Nadia. I and definitely all will. And the rest of you. And thanks, Kenneth, to sending this article in so that I could talk about Valkyrie Profile at the game of my heart. Thank you. Still, still probably my favorite RPG. Maybe Persona 4 is past it i'm not sure like it's it's kind of up in the air but they're they're both really freaking good rpgs but now we're gonna head off and we're gonna get mike and jazz on here and we're gonna talk about some world of warcraft so stay tuned we're back and with me right now is our two biggest world of warcraft fans these guys have been playing world of warcraft for freaking ever jazz like literally edited the official warcraft world of warcraft magazine at one point that's how much of a fan he is yes i did (laughs) we got jazz and we got mike and they are here to talk about the latest world of warcraft expansion legion which went live last friday they've had plenty of time to play it uh jazz you've been writing the review you wrote like i god knows like two thousand words about it or something so far and you still haven't like scored it what are your thoughts yes it's been an interesting expansion for 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 world of warcraft i think legion really is is blizzard's make good after the rather 
it wasn't exactly kind of universally panned, but it was definitely heavily criticised for, for, for Warlords of Draenor for its lack of endgame content. Um, there are only two kind of major content expansions for, for, for that uh, expansion over the duration of two years, which really left a lot of people needing things to do in the game. And, and I think, you know, the, the game shed a tremendous amount of subscribers. If you follow World of Warcraft at all, um, you'll see that, uh, you know, it pretty much halved its, its um, user base over the duration of the expansion because people just got bored of the game. And, you know, Legion is Blizzard sort of make good for that. And, and they've definitely done an awful lot of work to try and uh, fix problems, make sure that there's a lot of endgame content and uh, address some of the concerns that people had about Warlords of Draenor. How about you, Mike? What do you think? I agree. Um, I, I wrote an article about it when they announced it and, and I, I, I called it uh, Blizzard's uh, Baby Comeback expansion. Um, uh, they've done a, a lot of work and sort of quality of life issues and, and some big tweaks to the game to sort of make it a, a, a bit friendlier. Um, but the interesting thing I noticed when I was playing is a lot of people are sort of talking it up and Warlords of Draenor, like what they had wasn't bad. It was just, as Jazz said, they, they didn't release enough content and uh, I, I feel like Legion builds upon some of the stuff that uh, Warlords did well. Um, but at least they look, and, and, and I, I put look, look in air quotes like they're, they're going to fix the issue of ongoing content. Because uh, it looks bad for a while, not just from the fact that you know players didn't have anything to do. <coughs> but... Uh, they're also up against, you know, they, they got Guild Wars 2 and Final Fantasy fourteen out there, uh, both of which have a very steady uh, content release cadence. Uh, so I, I think that was a problem that hit Blizzard pretty hard. And Legion is sort of a, hey, we, we've learned. We're sorry. What's interesting about Legion is that... Um uh, a lot of people would argue that the classes have been kind of stripped down compared to where they were before. Uh, lots of abilities kind of rejiggered. Uh, some have said that even certain specs have been kind of ruined. Uh, Jazz, what's your opinion on that one? Yeah, it's been it, it's it's been interesting to me because Warlords of Draenor did a lot of talent pruning, and to me, it didn't really make the game any more interesting and fun. Um, some specs felt very rote after Warlords of Draenor's changes, and I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of them. And Blizzard have kind of gone in for a second round of, of, of changes for Legion. Um, and this time it's been, I think, I initially was, didn't like the changes. My, my main is a disciplined priest, and I wasn't too keen on the changes that they made to that particular class, the specialization. They, um, they basically turned it from a sort of a, a healer where you're casting damage mitigation to one that heals through doing damage. And, and initially it felt very clunky, but the more I've played it, the more I've got used to it. It feels it, it, it's quite fun to play now and uh, you know, it definitely makes for a more interesting experience. And I think overall, 
what Blizzard have done is is t- taken the different class specializations, which were in some cases very homogenized. You could play different specializations on your class, and they all felt very similar to one another. They had similar spells, and they've put spells into particular specializations to make each class specialization feel more unique and um, give it its own play style. And I think the 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 three classes that I play, the, the Death Knight, the Hunter, and the, uh, the Priest, they've all been very successful in making the specializations feel very different from one another. And uh, it, it's definitely kind of made the game a little bit more interesting from a specialization choice point of view. But not all changes have been that successful, particularly in the case of the Hunter, the Marksman Hunter feels a bit boring to play. Um, there are less kind of situational abilities that, that you have available now, particularly for PvP. Um, and it's made the, kind of the class feel a little bit one-dimensional. Um, beast Mastery is kind of fun. It's a lot more focused around pet abilities, as you might expect from Beast Mastery, and the survival spec is now a melee class, which is really interesting. It's uh, it, to, to, to change the hunter from, from a ranged attacker to a sort of uh, a semi-ranged melee character is really quite drastic. And that's that's decent to play. I'm not a huge fan of melee characters, but it's it's... Like I said, it's it's made the class a little bit more interesting in terms of choices. So I think overall, it's been hit and miss. I think some classes have definitely benefited from the changes, and others haven't. I think Mike, you were saying that the paladin isn't isn't particularly exciting to play. Right? Am I right about that? Uh, no, it's, it's so. So the thing that I've found, and, and I think that I, is interesting with all of the pruning, is that um, there are some classes that are boring, like they're not particularly interesting to play on a on a rotation. Uh, and Protection Paladin, which is w- what I play on my main, uh, is very much like uh, almost jumping back to our Burning Crusade incarnation, where... Uh, you're very effective, but it's not very interesting in the amount of choices that you're making moment to moment. And I, and I think that sort of uh, is what has happened in Legion. It, I, I, as far as I can tell, pretty much all of the classes are effective. Because um, usually we come through an expansion and there's a, you know a few classes that aren't particularly working. Uh, in this, I find pretty much every class is effective, um, some better than others, but for the most part, uh, everything works, but some of them just aren't interesting. Um, and that varies from person to person, it, like if that's really a problem. I'm fine with it, because I'm a tank, so if it's not interesting, then I sort of fill the space with other stuff. Uh, if I if I don't have particularly interesting skills to use, then I sort of see uh, how how far can I push the damage? Uh, what other ways can I tank? You know, I sort of mini game it out there. Um, but otherwise, I, I I think the the pruning was needed, especially at, at the point we're at. Um, is this 
five expansions at this point? Uh, this is the sixth one, I believe. This is sixth. Um, general mudflation was taking over, so I, I, they needed the pruning, they needed the cutting, and I think the, the Blizzard calls it the class fantasy, works very well, especially with uh, the addition of artifact weapons and the class order hall like quests, which sort of feed into that, oh, your, your class or your class and spec is this, and the, the missions to gain your artifact weapons very much feed into that. Uh, yeah, I was talking to um, World of Warcraft's director, Tom Chilton, who's been with the game since the beginning of time. And I was like, well, what's like the one thing you've learned about class design over the past, you know, 12 years or whatever? And he said, one important thing is that there are limits to the complexity of the character class. And those limits are closer to what the complexity of the class design was when we first launched than we thought. We thought we had a fair amount of breathing room in terms of what stuff we could add to the classes before they became too cumbersome. And we hit that and passed right by it before re- re- without realizing it. And then he added, we're going to be a lot more disciplined in how we allow the classes to bloat. So Legion is kind of a corrective in that regard. But, I mean, that's kind of the natural result of any MMORPG, right? You just keep piling on systems and abilities. Because if you don't, if you launch an expansion and a class doesn't get some, like, interesting new toy, then they're going to be kind of unhappy. Or if you don't, like, make interesting choices, changes to the way the game plays, people are going to be unhappy. So I think it's incredibly easy to blow right past that that space that they were talking about. And now we're at a point where they're reining it all in. And I think that process was always going to be kind of painful. Yeah, it's it's been a... I think it's been interesting because it's it's made the game that what they've kind of kept as as the game is is the rotations and they've sort of pared the game down to um, a very specific set of spell rotations now for every class and and uh, it, I think depending on your point of view it's either made the game boring and kind of a little bit rote or or, or has made the game a little bit more interesting in in the the rotations now have gone gone up from in case of some classes from just a couple of buttons to sort of three or four buttons and and waiting for abilities to proc and then reacting to that um but it's it's kept the core game mechanics of wow pretty much the same as they were so I think you know overall the, the 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 redesign has been a success in the fact that they haven't lost that original kind of wow flavor that most characters had when they launched and um but it's come at a cost of sort of a, a little bit of depth of 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 character what they've gained in uniqueness in terms of, of class specs they've lost in 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 some some respects of sort of depth of character but then, you know, that's like you said, that's what needed to happen to really sort of pair characters back down to a sort of a, a core functionality that they can then sort of build out over the next few expansions without feeling like they're really bloating the talent and uh, spells and abilities. What do you guys think of the Demon Hunter? 
I enjoyed playing it. I've, I've only leveled one up to 100. I just, I just uh, played through the uh, early uh, sort of uh, leveling up uh, quests. And uh, it, it's, it's a fun character to play. I didn't get... It takes about two hours to, to, to level one up from, a, from 98 to 100. And during that time, you kind of... You learn your various spells and abilities. And... It's a pretty powerful class, um, but it didn't exactly stand out to me as, as, as the mechanics didn't sort of strike me as being particularly fun or innovative. It's, it, it's sort of a fairly standard melee character that just feels a little bit overpowered at the moment, particularly in PvP, um, that it can output a, a tremendous amount of damage. And, uh, and and has uh, some decent crowd control effects that that uh, allow you to level up quite quickly. Have you played it yet, Mike? I have. Um, it's uh, it's it's overpowered like a new class is overpowered <laughs> yeah. uh, every time. Um, so I, I figure probably uh, a couple patches in, it'll probably get nerfed. I, I did it with tanking, and uh, demon hunter is. Almost a, a super solo tank uh, at this point. Almost, uh, I'd say, like Wrath of the Lich King's uh, Prot Paladin. Uh, in that you can do a lot of the things that uh, in, are needed for an entire five-man group alone. Because the class is so powerful. Um, so it's a little bit of a rogue, a little bit of a, a, a tank. A, you know, sort of a rogue warrior uh, feel to it. Um but it's definitely overpowered, I think. Um, I mean, I'm not a, a class designer or anything, so uh, I think it'll be nerfed probably like either middle of this expansion or by the next expansion. How do you guys think it compares to the release of the Death Knight um, in Wrath of the Lich King? I I think overall that, um, and I said this in our Warlords um review i i think blizzard has over the years gotten far 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 better at storytelling uh and a lot of those seeds were laid when the uh death knight launched and they added things like phasing to the game um and i i think they've only only gotten better at that over time so i uh having done the death knight starting experience recently because i i essentially rolled all of my characters on a brand new server um so i i rolled a death knight uh, as sort of my bank alt um and it's like night and day honestly so jazz uh pvp um my recollection is that legion's pvp changes are a little uh, controversial, and you are a big PvP fan, so can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. The um, yeah, there's some, been some major changes to PvP. Um, first of all, there's a new uh, prestige leveling system that that as you play battlegrounds and arena, you earn honor that levels you up, and as you level up, you get to learn new PvP specific spells and effects and and ability enhancements, and that's a really good thing. Um, when you reach the honor level cap, you can then prestige 
lose all your abilities and start over again for some basic rewards. Uh, I think the jury's still out on whether it's worth prestiging because you, you're quite a powerful character when you get to on a level 50 and you have all of your abilities and so you have to sacrifice all of those again to start over. Um, but the really big change for, for PvP is, has been that um, gear is now not really important in, in, in player versus player content. Basically, when you go into a battlegrounds or arena, um, all of the bonuses from your gear are, uh, are stripped away and you're given a class-specific template that sort of equalizes the playing field. And, um, and I think that's a really, really good thing. It, it, it allows Blizzard to fine-tune different... Um, specs templates and 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 really fine-tune pvp but at launch legions uh, a little bit uh, out of whack i think the me certain melee characters particularly demon hunters and rogues uh outputting a tremendous amount of damage in pvp and it's combine that with all the sort of the stuns and crowd control effects that are still in the environment i'm i'm, I'm amazed that i'm um, you know um, that we still have as many crowd control effects as as, as there are. Um, it definitely makes it difficult for, for, for a difficult environment for casters, basically, uh, and particularly for healers. Healers can be burned down quite quickly um, if you get a couple of characters on you. Um, and some of this sort of uh, dovetails into the class spec redesign um, uh, there's a lot of spells now that you have to hard cast, you know, you have to stand still to be able to cast and they take quite a long time to cast. Whereas before, um, most classes had a, quite a big toolbox of instant cast spells, meaning that there was quite a high mobility to the game. So you could kind of kite around melee characters and stay alive. But now, now it's very difficult to do that because uh, your biggest healing spells are... Um, a slow casting so that gives melee characters the ability to kind of catch up with you and just keep pressuring you the the whole time and it just makes for a very tough environment to, to survive if, if if you're not in in you know sort of decent armor and um i just think the the it's just some tweaks need to be made to certain class templates to sort of dial down the amount of damage or to, to improve the the sort of uh, the ability for classes to to uh, avoid damage um, and then that, that that will kind of make PvP a little bit more e you know equal for all so just it's a, it's a it's a small but major tweak that needs to be changed and I think that that'll that that'll help shut everybody up and 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 hopefully make for a uh, an environment that, that just feels a little bit more like an even playing field. At the moment, it just definitely feels uh, like it favors melee characters too much. All right. So as you guys said, we are on the sixth expansion of World of Warcraft. God, that's a lot of expansions. And holy crap, this game has been out forever. And this isn't the end. There's going to be a lot more expansions. Tom Chilton's already said that they've got multiple expansions planned and why would they stop they got millions of users uh didn't this game sell like 3.3 million copies mike yep they just announced that today 3.3 million copies oh my god uh, for its launch week so it's uh it's pretty much still going and uh, i mean to be honest 
Blizzard's doing the Scrooge McDuck thing right now. Yeah, and that's and, crazy. Like this game underwrites everything for them, and they got Hearthstone too. It's not fair. Stop being so good at this, Blizzard. Anyway, yeah. what were you saying, Mike? I, I mean, realize at at this point, um, EverQuest got an expansion last year. Oh my God! Yeah, no, that's <laughs> totally true. They're still going too. So, so I mean, if EverQuest is still, you know, making enough money to 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 carry on. Uh, then I, I don't see any reason for for WoW to stop, and and, and EverQuest I think is doing like an ex, like two expansions a year or something like that, or one every year, something something absurd for for what you would think EverQuest would do. So uh, yeah, WoW WoW will be going for a while, y'all. Just it, it still looks good. That's what amazes me is that that even though it's a very low poly game, they've Blizzard's art team have really got sort of making the game look good down pat. You know, I mean, when I, you you look at it very very closely, you can definitely see its age. Um, but but it it runs on kind of fairly low spec machines, which means that it's it, you know it's very inclusive if you haven't got a great PC. Um, and you know this expansion in particular, I think it looks very pretty. Some of the landscapes are, 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 are great. You know, Stormheim is and High Mountain. Uh, I, I really enjoyed going through both those environments. And uh, Azuna is 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 a, is a very pretty forested sort of elven area. Um, and it just it 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 feels quite contemporary. So. I'm certainly happy to play it, and when when I do, I don't really feel like I'm playing an old game. Um, you know, it, it it feels quite modern, particularly with the changes that they they brought into the game. Um, you know, when you look over the years, how much WoW has evolved, and how many amazing quality of life additions Blizzard has incorporated into the game, it it's definitely a very far cry from the the game. That launched twelve years ago. Yeah, and 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 a lot of people don't realize that that game. Um, I'm mean, like people look back at it fondly, like Burning Crusade or Vanilla. But before Warlords of Draenor, I did the full one to ninety uh, stint, and some of the older content just it does not age well, especially Burning Crusade, <laughs> which I felt was a slog. Um, going back through it again. Um, and, and Blizzard has definitely improved the game and, and I think Blizzard's strength has always been look at, uh, other developers ideas, take them, polish them up. Uh, and, and I, I felt for a while there, they weren't doing that in WoW and like, so like Jazz was talking the PVP, uh, that's, that's essentially what Guild Wars 2 does for their PVP. Um, everyone's, uh, normalized and then there's an extra like pvp track of skills that that is added on top uh and it's a good idea so i i I don't see why blizzard would have avoided it until now or like uh they also added as a quality of life change the enemy tagging system whereas in the past if you attacked an enemy that enemy was yours um which made questing a little bit difficult because occasionally you would need an enemy, but another player would hit it before you would, and then you had to wait for that enemy to respawn. Now it's just like, oh, no, no. As long as you hit it, you get credit. You're good. 
and that's another some something that other games had done and blizzard had not just for uh no real reason as far as i could tell have they redone the opening areas for everybody yet or more importantly is it possible to circumvent some of the older content because i gotta say as somebody who does not have a lot of investment in world of warcraft's history uh, every time i try to pick it up again i always get really freaking bored like but with that said like some of the opening areas are fantastic like uh when i was playing cataclysm back in the day the warg and stuff at the beginning re- really good you know uh so i'm kind of like going what is it possible to get to the good stuff like fast i have feelings about that i actually have half an article written directly about Ooh. that problem um, because what Legion did before, uh, what WoW did before Legion launched was this, uh, event called Demon Invasions. Uh, and basically they were, uh, randomly generated events that took place around the world, but they offered up a ton of experience. Uh, so a lot of players actually rejoined before Legion so they could start new characters and level them up to max level relatively quickly like over the course if you just did invasion to invasion to invasion over the course of like maybe two to three days you could have a max level character uh and blizzard offers a boost when you you like buy legion but i i honestly think that they need some sort of uh either lower the price of a level boost because currently it's $60, which is way too high, or they need to make the Legion invasion idea more uh, like create an island, island or something, call it the Isle of Endless War, and give players a way to get around that early content. Because uh, a lot of the barrier I find is uh, a lot of people are on a bunch of different servers, and trying to start new on a new server or trying to start a new class or or anything like that is really hard and wow like painfully hard Mm -hmm. yeah no i think that's been the biggest barrier to entry for me is um for a while and it's kind of what makes me want to play final fantasy 14 a little more than uh, world of warcraft but so it goes uh final thoughts uh, from you, Jazz, and I'm kind of curious, like, what's the one thing that you wouldn't mind seeing in a future expansion or update? Um, yeah, I think Legion overall is, 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 a, is a very strong expansion. It's probably my favorite expansion so far since Wrath of the Lich King, which I really did love. Um, I think it, it, it's, there's a new scalable questing system, which really helps make a big difference to the game. And I think what might be interesting is 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 if that scalable questing system is uh, extended to the rest of the world, so that you could actually go back and do some some of the old iconic content again um, and feel challenged by it. That might be a kind of a, a very interesting uh, new addition to the game. But overall, I think I'm I'm pretty pleased with where it's at. Um, obviously, you know, I believe PvP needs to be a little bit more finely balanced than it currently is. Um, 
the reward system from PvP is also a little bit meager, um, even though gear isn't uh, that important anymore in PvP. It would be nice to earn gear through a little bit more rapidly than, than, than you currently do through PvP, that you can then use out in the open world for questing and dungeons and the like. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, this, is a, this is a really, really good expansion. and. I'm just interested to see whether it can maintain the sort of the content momentum that it's built up from launch. As soon as you hit 110, there's a tremendous amount of things to do. Some of it feels a little bit grindy, but then again, that's always that's always the case with any MMO. You know, the sort of the some of the longer term projects can feel like a bit of a a grind. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very happy with it, and and it put it this way: I took a year off during Warlords of Draenor just because. Um, I, I kind of got bored of the game, and 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 the the, the sort of the new content didn't really engage me. Um, and I'm sort of back in love with the game again, and 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 playing it nightly. So, you know, job done. Mike. Uh, honestly, for me, it's just the leveling. Um, uh, I just I, I think the game really needs a way to maybe not completely uh, circumvent. Uh, the leveling, but uh, the systems that they have now, the heirlooms and the boost are, is just not enough. Um, so, I, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, otherwise, I, I really enjoy the state of the game, and uh, I, I enjoy um, playing my characters. Like, like I said, I started on a new server. Um, but like trying to work up my new alts is is like pulling teeth it's just like ah this is so annoying so uh yeah just leveling improvements really please 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 all right uh if you have any additional thoughts or an rp underrated rpg pitch send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or pm me or PM uh, Mike or Jazz. Um, they are also on the site, of course, because we all work for US Gamer. But uh, speaking of US Gamer, Acts of Blood God is a US Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and various other venues. Uh, check us out on Twitter. You can find me at the underscore catbot. You can find Mike at Automatic Zen, and you can find Jazz at Jazz Rignal. And of course, you can find Nadia at Nadia Oxford. Be sure to check out her blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Jazz, you've got your World of Warcraft Legion review in progress going. As is custom, it is extremely dense and extremely uh, detailed. So you should go check that out um, if you want even more information on World of Warcraft Legion. Mike, you got anything that you want to promote? Uh... No, mm. I mean just just uh, look forward to more of my excellent work on US Gamer. Uh, I have an article uh, on on Wild Legion coming up soon, and we'll be finishing up the review very soon. So look forward to it. Indeed, be excellent to one another. And Jess, not at the moment. Not, not, not nothing RPG related. I'm actually not. It's, it's funny. I'm not much of a, an RPG player um, mm. normally. But World of Warcraft, I, I, I do love. Um, 
But uh, yeah, other, other than that, you can find me in such racing games as Forza Horizon 3 and usually shooting people in games like Overwatch and Call of Duty. So it's, it's, it, I'm not sure what it is about World of Warcraft that I like. It's definitely the PvP, I, I, I guess, that really keeps me playing. But I just enjoy tooling around in that game. There's something about it that feels inclusive and not too complicated. It's not a complex game. And so it's 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 a it's a comfort food game for me. It's okay, Jazz. The best RPG of the year is coming out in a couple of weeks. FIFA. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting new uh, sort of take on the game. I'm looking forward to seeing how that storyline works. Yeah, it's going to have a story mode and everything. It's going to be great. Can't wait to play it. But uh, yeah, so follow us gamer at, at us gamer net and we stream quite a bit over on our twitch channel twitch.tv slash us gamer net next time i think we're gonna be doing a big dragon quest 7 episode nadia is gonna have all of the takes i am looking forward to it so join us then and until then for nadia and mike and jazz thanks for listening and until next time happy adventuring <laughs>